0: So I'm here with Timothy Noonan, and uh, we're gonna talk about his recent piece in NOMA called The Failure of Nation Building. Why did nation building fail in Afghanistan?
1: I think um, nation building failed in Afghanistan for uh, maybe two or three big reasons. I think there's a structural reason which has to do with Afghan history that I try to point out in the piece. Um, Afghanistan is in some ways, kind of an outlier. It's very different from states like, say, Germany or Japan that have resources that have industrial capacity within themselves to kind of generate enough income to administer uh, the land, the, the territory inside of their own borders. Uh, Afghanistan is, has always been kind of a, a parasite or an amoeba, if you like, um, within the international system that's that's kind of depending on these, these foreign resources. Um, and this creates certain pathologies. I think also when it comes to why this most recent round of, of nation building uh, failed, um, well, I think we had um, you know, a lot of mission creep from the American side that I, I point out. And I think we had a, a kind of a, an America that was very focused on nation building and not focused enough perhaps on world building. And this leads to the phenomenon of a lot of money going into Afghanistan, but a lot of resources going out of it into tax havens and to bank accounts in places like Dubai. So part of what I try to point out in the piece is not just focusing on the specific pathologies of Afghanistan, but rather the kind of system internationally into which it's embedded.
0: What can we learn from history? You're a historian. What can we learn from history about uh, Afghanistan?
1: Uh, Well, I think we can learn that it's a place that's often a mirror of the international community, not as we would like to imagine it, but as it uh, really exists. And it's been a place where uh, foreigners, often with uh, in collaboration with a Kavali elite, um, have tried to realize uh, the kind of utopian visions um, of the day. So one thing I try to contribute to the conversation with this piece and with my work writ large is to you know, make this not really about specific Afghan pathologies or even the problems of the so-called uh, blob, uh, but really to point out how there's this larger structural pattern whereby in the past, uh, Turks, uh, Indian Muslims, uh, Americans, uh, Soviets, and now Americans again, um, have tried to sort of project these visions of what a modern administration, what a modern state, what a modern uh, international order should look like. Um, and oftentimes the the folly of this happening, um, you know, this isn't just a story of British Empire being replayed again and again. It's not this great art of empire's narrative, but I think reflects the ways in which leading powers, uh, hegemons, if you like, of the day often really struggle to create a a coherent international system um, into which they can fit uh, Afghanistan.
0: Do you think there's any hope that the Taliban represent an alternative to this fantasy that you've described? That that they may represent something that's more um, indigenous and less focused on external actors?
1: I, I i hesitate to say so i think uh before i would be very hesitant to describe the taliban as as somehow uh, deeply authentic or or indigenous or uh, uh, rooted uh, at least in an absolute sense this is a uh, force that uh, historically drove around on toyota pickup trucks using salvaged uh, soviet and and other uh, weapons uh, and uh, was sort of you know carrying on this uh, an ideological project emerging out of uh, uh, out of the South Asian continent, so in, in certain ways, the Taliban is, I think, as good of an example of the of the ways in which Afghanistan is this um, uh, uh, hub for kind of transnational flows, uh, rather than uh, you know someplace that's about authentic, uh, rooted, uh, uh, uh ideology. So I'm not, I'm not sure about the uh, the indigenous part so much. I think what will be interesting to see, although it's, of course, changing very much, um, is whether the Taliban, perhaps in coordination with uh, China and its projects uh, for Central Eurasia, will begin to sort of form the building blocks for some kind of alternative uh, regional, if not uh, international order. We'll have to see if China is going to give uh, loans or try to denominate trade with Afghanistan and RMB uh, rather than other kinds of currency. Uh, So that may be interesting friends to follow that way as China tries to construct a kind of post-American and indeed post-Soviet uh, regional order out of uh, Central Asia.
0: So what lessons can we learn from, from your work and from history for all of this going forward? Um, what kind of lessons can we take with us to help Afghanistan become a more stable state?
1: Well, I think, one, uh, I think one takeaway is that we need to have better global governance institutions. It's very easy to criticize Afghans for, quote-unquote, refusing to fight. It's very easy to say, you know, why are these people running away from their country and ending up in uh, Greece and Turkey um, and Germany? But I think the fact is these, what might appear to be pathologies at first glance, are really reflections of the ways in which Afghanistan has failed to be embedded into and a meaningful international trading system into uh, global development um, uh, uh, apparatus and, and structures uh, that would make it possible for the people inside of the country to live dignified, meaningful uh, lives. Uh, I don't think necessarily that a kind of Chinese regional order or indeed some kind of Russian or Iranian-led regional order would be the solution for Afghanistan. Uh, But what we have what we have seen is that the American project of the so-called liberal international order uh, really hasn't delivered for the people. And, uh, you know, I think that's where a lot of the attention needs to be.
0: Right. Well, thank you, Professor Newton. It was a pleasure to speak with you.